from Wall Street to the White House. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. Great to be with you. I want to continue this discussion of uh, Joe Biden lying to the American people about inflation and many other things. And like I said before, I don't like to use the word lie, but there's only so far cognitive dissonance is going to take you. Anyway, we're going to bring in my great friend Kevin Hassett, former chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors during the Trump administration. Kevin is now a distinguished visiting fellow at the Hoover Institution in Stanford in California. And he has a very important book. It's called The Drift, Stopping America's Slide to Socialism. And Kevin, um, you're going to be a star. We're doing this Fox Nation special on the drift to socialism. In fact, I think I've got you on three panels in 90 minutes. How's that? Well, that's, yeah, that's just awesome. I'm going <laughs> to keep you busy. Well, it's a very yeah. important book. And by the way, this weekend, I'm plowing through the CEA report uh, on socialism. I reread your mm-hmm. book. So, folks, buy the book, The Drift, Stopping America's Slide to Socialism. Now, Kevin, uh, no matter how many James Taylor songs we can hear <laughs> on the White House lawn, there is still quite a bit of inflation left. I talked about it in the opening. And it's galling to me to see the president deny it. It doesn't exist. Just deny, deny, deny. And I'm saying that um, Americans are a lot smarter than he thinks, and they see right through it. What do you think? Yeah, I I actually think that that you could make the case that uh, Bill Clinton was more forthcoming about Monica Lewinsky than (laughs) Joe Biden has been about the economy. Um, Right. I mean, I, I, <laughs> especially the Polish time. But 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 think about it. So so we've got the inflation thing that you're talking about, and of course they're in complete denial about inflation. And also, uh, you know, we've had two negative quarters of GDP growth. As you know, I've been saying since January that we're in recession. Uh, two negative quarters. You know, ten out of eleven times since World War II has meant recession. Um, and now GDP now is close to zero. So third quarter GDP, I think, uh, could be negative, but we're going to talk about this. Uh, and, and he's out there bragging about the strong, vibrant economy. And, and if you look at the numbers that he's using, what he does is he compares things right now to like the peak of COVID when the economy was shut down. Hmm. And then he's like, I've got like the best economy ever of any president. He says stuff like that. You've heard it. And, and, and then he'll talk about like job creation since like the peak of the shutdown. Uh, he's, he's really, really uh, separated from reality, um, telling the American people lies, uh, not being questioned by the media. Um, it's, it's a very scary time. But, you know, that, that at some point, as you know, you and I have talked about this before on your show that that, that we would never – if we had said something that was, like, close to false, mm. then we would have just the crap beat out of us by the media. But mm. these guys are lying about everything and getting away with it. And, and that's a th- I think it's a threat to democracy. And, and that's the kind of thing, as you know, I write about in the book The Drift, um, that the left controls the media. They control, you know, respectability, if you like, because they, they control Harvard. And they're using that to shut up the defenders of capitalism and shut up the defenders of, you know, free markets. And, and, and it's apparently working. You know, Biden's getting away with this. His numbers are going up. I inherited a crisis and I turned it into a resurgence. I would say he, 
I would say he inherited a resurgence and turned it into a crisis. And I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, you know, the guy had a, a, a low inflation boom in early 2021. And here we are in the autumn of 2022 uh, with all this embedded inflation and, as you say, uh, recession. And and you're right about the GDP tracker. That thing was knocked down from two and a half percent to zero point five. So the third quarter could conceivably be negative or flat, but that won't help. But I mean, it's just a blatant lie. Now, the one point here, I want to talk about the inflation and, and productivity and hoarding workers. But um, I I think politically and really morally, Americans see through that. I mean, Americans look at what their own life is. Uh, weekly wages are down three and almost three and a half percent in the past year, and all the rising prices for food and groceries and energy and electricity and so forth and so on. Even gasoline's come down, but it's still way up from a year ago. I mean, they they know better, and so I also think they want America to be, uh, you know, a strong economy, make America great again. They know better, and I think they're going to revolt. I mean, I think this is a big election year issue, and I don't care what other people say. This is an inflation election, a recession election. It's an economic election, Kevin Hassett. Yeah, you you know, and and, uh, the number that really jumped out at me when we were looking at the CPI report and thinking about what it meant for the economy this week is that um, is actually Mark Zandi's team did an estimate that, uh, and and I'll say the number correctly in case you want to quote it in the future, that uh, if you look at inflation over the last 12 months, then the average American family has to spend $460 a month more to get the same consumption that they got a year ago. Hmm. And so, you know, if your salary has gone up, you know, by, you know, more than $5,000 a year this year, you know, raise your hand and congratulations. But almost no Americans have had a raise that's been able to keep up with inflation. And the average American has to spend $460 more a month to tread water to just get the same exact bundle of stuff they got the year before. And and since they don't have the income to do that, then they have to cut consumption. And that's why GDP is going down. Hmm. And, and and so the idea that, that we've got a strong economy or that we had like a couple negative quarters that it's just a blip is fundamentally flawed because in the end, if people have a lower real income, then there's going to be lower real GDP. And their real incomes are not increasing because prices are going up faster than wages. And that's still true. Uh, and it's going to continue to be true, sadly, for the rest of the year. And, and so uh, the denial – and I wrote a piece about this at National Review. I forget whether I sent it to you, Larry. But, but, but the denial is a serious threat because the Fed can't really do this alone. Ronald Reagan helped Paul Volcker whip inflation by cutting government spending, you know, so they stopped helicopter dropping cash on people and by having supply side tax cuts. And if you did that right now, then you could potentially have a soft landing. But if you're in denial and spending more money as he did with the student loan forgiveness, then you're basically, you know, sending the airplane into the hurricane and and it's going to get really ugly. What is that, Kevin? Four hundred sixty bucks a month. That's about five grand a year, something like that. Yeah, multiply by twelve. That's a, <laughs> so, I mean, that's yeah, a big so tax. That's a big tax coming right out of your wages, coming yep, right out of your right. buying power. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and that's why, you know, as you said, the, that if you look at the economic surveys, everybody says inflation is the number one problem. And it's because if you go to the store, you, you know, it's something different about me, uh, you, Larry, is that, that I don't think you do what Christy and I have me do, which is I'm the one who does the grocery shopping. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it. it, it I like to go and just see what the prices are of everything and wander around. And But if you go to the grocery store, you'll be astonished at some of the things that, that have happened. Um you know, like, like again, uh, he cut up watermelon. <laughs> I talked to you about how I spent $20 on a, on a little plastic tub of, of cut up watermelon because I didn't look at the price. But, but everything that you put in the cart is higher. And some things that you've been putting in the cart for a long time, you have to stop buying. Um, I, here, here's an example. Uh, one of the things I like to do is sprinkle chia seeds. I like them. They, they give you protein and omega-3s on my cereal in the morning. Uh, the little, a little tiny bag of chia seeds has gone from about three bucks a bag to about eleven bucks a bag. Huh. And so, and so, I have to give up my addiction to chia seeds just because uh-huh. it's about eleven dollars for a little bag. But, but yeah, the American people see this, and, and they say that their life is worth. Grocery prices up thirteen percent year on year. Food prices yeah. alone up eleven percent year on year. And Biden sending out James Taylor to sing. Ballads. By the way, they were very pessimistic ballads. I don't know if there's meaning in that. The, the, thing, the thing that bugs me the most, though, about this is, and this gets into the cancel culture of the left, is that don't you remember there was like some child star that sang for Trump at the inauguration or something? And then like the entire like Hollywood uh, enterprise blackballed her. Oh, yeah, vaguely. Right, right, right. And, and, yeah, so, and so the yeah, whole time yeah, we were yeah. in the White House, there, there was never like any, no, you know, no pop star ever came and sang in the Rose Garden while we were there <laughs> because they were terrified that they'd be black. Anyway, this I go into in the book, The Drift, as well, Larry, that, that socialists are inevitably totalitarians. Um, <laughs> the fact that it, it really it's weird, but Jay Taylor being at the White House is, is actually a symbol of the totalitarianism of these guys, too, because, you, you um, know, that's they, a key point. That's a yeah, really right. big point, right? Because. In these uh, socialist uh, worlds, the totalitarian or authoritarian, they will lie. I mean, the big lie. Remember, we used to talk about the big lie during the Soviet communism era. Uh, You know, black is white and white is black. But Biden is employing similar tactics. I mean, my my I want to we're going to take a break in a minute or two. And I want to talk about socialism and the drift of socialism. But um, Kevin, walk me through again. You said this. Uh, companies are hoarding labor because real wages are cheap. Uh, but then again, the productivity is collapsing and we're not getting any output. Because I think that's a mm-hmm. sort of very hidden but important analysis in this inflation problem. Oh, sure. Yeah. And and, and it's something that somehow you know, keeps surprising the, the left-wing media. But, but what happens is that if you're a business – and the price of the stuff you're selling is going up fast, and you're not increasing the wages of your workers, then you don't have to let your workers off because, in fact, you know prices are going up faster than wages. If there's no inflation and all of a sudden your sales are down, then you've got to lay off workers to reduce your costs. Otherwise, you're going to go out of business. But when there's inflation, you don't lay off the workers. Uh, but uh, because, you know, say, the price of apples goes from a dollar an apple to $10 an apple, and then people – spend ten dollars and instead of getting ten apples they get one apple and so your workers are still getting ten dollars in sales 
but there are fewer apples. That's why the GDP is down, and so that way it means productivity is low, too. And so we just had the biggest decline in productivity since mm-hmm. 1947, mm-hmm. right? Since 1947. So, so this Biden economy is a train wreck already, but it's, it's like kind of a train wreck headed for Chernobyl. Um, they, they, they really, really are messing things up and they're in denial. And, and you know, the, the one thing I, I said I would come back to it is that your old friend Joe Sullivan, who worked with us in the White House, and I mm. um, went back and looked. And there's this clear partisanship in the Bureau of Economic Analysis. And, and what happens is that in an election year where there's a Democrat in the White House, then the BEA data, like the gross domestic product numbers, um, always come out really rosy right before the election. And so we're mm-hmm. going to get third quarter GDP the week before the election mm-hmm. and then get revised down because in the end they have to make oh. the data look like what their data are. Huh. And so you watch what's going to happen is we're going to have this window in October where everybody's like feeling better because the economic data looks so good. And then right after the election, it's all going to get revised away. You watch. Wow. You know, that's right. We talked about this several years ago when we were in there. It'd be, well, it's a sad tale. That's a very sad tale. But the point is the Fed is going to have to be even more aggressive, aren't they? Because the inflation is so deep, deeply embedded. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and uh, you know, the inflation numbers this week didn't surprise me and you, but they surprised markets. So, so what that means is that like a, a year ago, you and I should have started a hedge fund, right? But, um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Fed's going to lift rates three quarters of a point maybe mm-hmm. for the rest of the year. And, and, and so I think that if you expect interest rates to be below five as we go into next year, then you're probably going to be surprised on the down, you know, on the yeah. upside for interest rates on the downside. I'm kind of thinking the same thing. Uh, I got to take a break. Producers the L and I'm here talking to Kevin Hassett, former chair of the Council of Economic Advisors, and his wonderful book, The Drift: Stopping America's Slide to Socialism. Uh, Kevin, we're going to talk about socialism. Let me take a quick break. We'll be right back. I'm Larry Kudlow with Kevin Hassett. Please stick around, folks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow here with my pal, Kevin Hassett, former chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors. He's a scholar at Hoover Institution, and he's got a great book out, The Drift, Stopping America's Slide to Socialism. We're having a uh, Fox Nation special Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on this very topic. Kevin will be... um, ever present during the show because of the great work he's done. Kevin, um, walk us through, uh, we don't have a lot of time, but, you know, a couple of your key key points, you know, right at the top. I I think you're going to be in the first panel uh, when we do this uh, Fox Nation special on Wednesday. Um, We are drifting towards socialism, aren't we? Yeah, we are. And, and the, you know, in the book, basically I, uh, sort of uh, deeply uh, and quickly present 
some arguments of some of the most famous 20th century thinkers about why the U.S. would become socialism and talk about, you know, how basically people who posited about our future 100 years ago have turned out to be correct. And the reason why I think that's so important is that anybody can, after they see the facts, come up with a theory of the facts. But when people, you know, back in the 20s are looking at us and say, here's what's going to happen to you, and then it happens, then it's more meaningful because it means that they had sort of a model of thinking about the world that turned out to be correct. And the the first person I talk a lot about, as you know, is Joseph Schumpeter, right. who really, you know, back in the 20s um, looked ahead and he said, here's what's going to happen to the U.S., that they're going to be capitalist and rich for a while. He thought up until about the 70s. And he was writing in the 20s originally. Um, and But then um, what's going to happen is that they're going to turn into a socialist country. And the reason is that um, they're, we're going to be rich by 1970. Everybody's going to send their kids to college. Um, the colleges are going to be basic, basically places that indoctrinate our kids to be socialists. Uh, and the colleges will control respectability because like a Harvard guy is obviously more impressive than a guy from North Carolina State. And then they're going to control the media because New York Times is going to hire like all the Harvard guys have been trained to be socialists. And then the media is going to be socialists. And anybody who would defend capitalism, and that's me and you, is going to be attacked constantly by the media. And so the defenders of capitalism will shut up. They'll stop and the socialists will take over um, and they'll control the government, too, because they control the media. And this is basically the world that we lived in until Donald Trump came. And then Donald Trump came in, and he was able, like through his outrageous tweets and everything else, um, to end around the media and yeah. to become president. And as you and I know, we, we were in there fighting socialism every day. We were reversing Obama's socialist policies every day. Um, but then uh, – and this is the other part of my book. I dig into a second thinker, Marshall McLuhan, mm. who thought about what the internet would look like. And he said at the beginning, the internet is going to be this force that allows – uh, people to escape from a curated society that's curated by, and uh, you know, I'm putting words in his mouth now, by the socialist left that Schumpeter envisioned. And then all of a sudden, the, the socialist left, the, the respectable people are going to lose their power because the internet makes it impossible for them to control uh, information and to indoctrinate everybody to be socialist. But then McLuhan ends his analysis of the internet. He says, but what's going to happen is the powerful are going to see this and then what they're going to do is they're going to kick the people they don't like off the Internet. Mm. Which is okay. exactly so, what But imagine happens. a guy writing in the 50s and 60s mm. said that, that in the end, you know, what's going to happen is the establishment will – there will be a backlash. And they're going to kick people off the Internet, and that way they'll regain their control of, you know, basically the narrative. And, and is that not where we are right now as a country? Mm. You know, That's like, amazing. Like, last time you read a tweet from Donald Trump? I mean, I know you've got a true social, but – no, no, but that's amazing. Uh, the idea, McLuhan, that they will kick the critics off. They will kick the critics of socialism off the Internet. I mean, that's exactly what's happened in recent years with exactly. Twitter and exactly. Facebook. Exactly and, what's happened. And, and, and I really think that this goes back to, uh, like, and as you know, I'm not like a shameless picture of books, but but I think that people really do need to understand what's going on in the world right now because we can stop this. We can stop the drift towards mm. socialism, mm. but we have to work together to do it. And, and the most important thing, I think, is that so, so you know, the left thinks that they control respectability 
And so when like you or Steve Moore talks about actually, hey, you know, this is how you make an economy strong, then, you know, the first criticism we hear is not substantive. It's like, oh, you know, Steve Moore is not from Harvard. Right. Mm, right. Yes, yes, they, yes, yes. They think they control respectability. I don't have well, a Ph.D., so I've been attacked for that. Down to yeah, yeah. Well, so why are we listening to you? Uh, yeah. uh, you're you're just the anti-science, right? Like mm. you, you probably don't even like Tony Fauci, the god of wonderfulness. <laughs> um, but 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 the, the point is, is just that um, think about the last four years. Um, think about like the, the Trump economy and then the Biden economy. Um, who got that right more? Right. Um, Cudlow? Or Larry Summers, yeah. Which yeah. Larry won? And the answer is that you got it exactly right, and he got it exactly wrong. Although now he's actually moving in the right direction on inflation. And so, who should control respectability? The, mm. This is why I went that way. That that we as right wing supporters of free enterprise need to understand that we control respectability, mm. not them. Mm. And we have to. And but you can see, like, like so. How often did you see at my old think tank, the American Enterprise Institute, somebody at AEI? Stand up and say, "Oh, don't attack the, that Trump economic policy. You're you're wrong. It's going to work." Did that ever happen? And the answer is no, because there are a bunch of cowards there that are afraid that the New York Times is going to attack them. And 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 so if you know that's that's basically the mood that destroys society. We all have to recognize what's going on, and we have to stand up to these people. And and I talk about how in the book. In terms of um, a clear warning many, many, many decades ago. Would you put um, Friedrich Hayek in that too, the road to serfdom? Yeah, and I, I write about Hayek too. And and, and I think that if, in the end, one reason why the book is like, here we are a year later and it's still got legs, is that everybody kind of has heard of Schumpeter and Hayek and, and, and they kind of think they know what they said. But, but what I do is I revive their thinking, but in mm. a sort of relatively short amount of time. So it's kind of like a a primer on, on those guys. But but Hayek argued, so, so the thing about Hayek is, is that he was the guy that recognized that socialism leads to totalitarianism. And so, so he saw the Soviet Union, and then he sort of went back and studied. He was this really brilliant economist. You know, why is it that the Soviet Union exists? And then he found that basically every time a country moves sharply in the socialist direction, which we are doing right now, make no mistake about it, um, then people lose their rights. And people, you know, end up being depressed and, and you end up, he, you know, his famous book is The Road to Serfdom. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a serf is, is a person who's basically uh, enslaved by, you know, the, the government masters. And the reason why Hayek argues that it happens is really quite intuitive. He says that <laughs> it's really a brilliant argument. And, and, and again, it's historically based that a socialist is going to destroy the, the economy for sure. And so if we spend a few years in a socialist we have a democracy. We we elect a socialist like we have. Then the socialist comes in, and what does he do? He gives you, you know, inflation and a weaker economy. I got it. And, and so, so I, I can hear the music. But but the point <laughs> is, the socialist who so so therefore people are going to vote socialists out, and the socialist who doesn't get voted out has to be totalitarian. That that's what yes, right. Kevin Hassett, everybody. The name of the book is The Drift: Stopping America's Slide to Socialism. Nobody better on that. It's really a key book. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're going to take a break. Other side, Vivek Ramaswamy is going to talk about why folks don't seem to want to work in America anymore. A nation of victims. Stick around. Much more to come. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. 
There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.